1: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on our Facebook, YouTube and Twitter channels and later on our podcast channel. If you're listening on the podcast channel, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review. And if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button as well. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual joined by Aaron Stokes a day later, but we'll be quite honest with you, yesterday there was not much to talk about at all. And it seems as soon as they hit five o'clock on Monday evening, all the news dropped um, about Newcastle United. There was Luis Carias eventually being announced as a Newcastle United player. And the news that Newcastle will indeed face Bournemouth on Saturday. Of course, the Premier League was put on hold following the death of Queen Elizabeth. But the games, at least outside of London, will continue this weekend. Aaron, I, I mean, that's that's welcome news we both felt last weekend the games, in our opinion, should have gone ahead because it would have been the perfect way to to pay tribute to Her Majesty. Uh, there was a bit of debate, a bit of I, I was a little bit concerned that we would have a, a weekend without football yet again um, this weekend coming, but thankfully the right decision has been made and football fans can can unite across the country and, and really show their respects to Her Majesty.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. As as we've touched on, you know, we thought the game should have went ahead at the weekend. Um, especially when you saw other sports paying tribute in such a, you know, respectful way. Um, but I'm glad that, you know, the Premier League and, and other football divisions have seen sense and, and they haven't sort of postponed another week. Um, I think, you know, a lot of fans, including me, you were sort of dreading the prospect of no club football for a month, uh, given the internationals are coming up. So yeah. Good decision, um, and I think you know St James's Park will pay tribute on Saturday in in, in a respectful way.
1: Definitely, I mean, as Aaron mentions, uh, there is a break in the Premier League coming up, so it would have been a long time without football had this Saturday not gone ahead. Newcastle, of course, have only picked up one win this season, so they are in need of uh, three points. Bournemouth. Now we will have a usual match preview podcast with myself and John Gibson on Thursday. But I will just briefly touch on the 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 Bournemouth game. You know, obviously Eddie Howe's got his history there with Bournemouth. They seem a very up and down team at the moment. Obviously Scott Parker went after that defeat to Liverpool, but Gary O'Neill steadied the ship. Not really a team. I don't think you you can Expect to beat because I I just don't think you know which Bournemouth side are, are going to turn up.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think you know if, if the team that went to Anfield a couple of weeks ago um turns up, I think you know Newcastle will be taking the second win of the season. But you know a very very spirited performance against Forest last week. You know coming back from two 0 down um to win the game, and, and I think you know a lot of people had written written them off before that game as you know a team that's just destined to go down, but. You know, Gary O'Neill seems to have got them playing, at least in the short term. Um, but I mean, look at that six games played, 18 goals conceded. You would fancy, you know, Newcastle United if they're all fit and firing on Saturday to, you know, really punish them. And I think if we can see a repeat performance of that, you know, Nottingham Forest game, if we see how clinical they were against Manchester City, I don't see why Newcastle can't win. And I think, you know, crucially, you know, just looking at the league table here. Newcastle United haven't had a win since that opening day. They they do sort of need one. Um, Eddie Howe touched on it in his last game about how he's disappointed they haven't got more points um, from their first six games. So this is a real, real big one that they need to win before the international break.
1: Lots of positives, though, in, in those draws that we've seen. Of course, we'd all like more points on the board. Does there come a stage in the season when we have to stop saying Newcastle played well they were just unlucky you know some good saves by the opposition goalkeeper or they just didn't take the chances or, or var got in the way is there a stage is that stage coming up if they you know if they draw against bournemouth on saturday is that moment where you just got to be a little bit more brutal with the reality of the situation Say, so, right okay they may have played well but they're still only got one win under the belt
0: yeah 100 and i think you know fans are you know rightly or wrongly have got aspirations to try and break into that top seven now you know, there's no, there's no room to be dropping points. I think, you know, you look how unlucky they were against Liverpool, but then you also look at how poor they were against Brighton. You know, the time's sort of coming now that they need to do start. You know, they do need to start getting wins on the board and, um, you know, making sure that they're going into this World Cup break in the next two months in a really good position to kick on, um, in
1: 2023. And we had uh, Billy Gardas there in the comments asking, "Do we have a full team?" For Saturday, obviously, the big names that have been missing recently, Callum Wilson, Alan St-Maxman and Bruno Bruno Gumoresh. Do we expect any of them to be back for Saturday?
0: You'd expect Bruno and and Maxi, you know, know, the last we heard from Eddie Howe when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago was that they were very, very close to making um, the game against Palace. Obviously, neither of them were in the matchday squad. But, you know, the vibes that we got from Eddie Howe was that the injuries weren't serious when it comes to Callum Wilson, I think you're probably looking at you know another couple of weeks. I think if there's any doubt in Eddie Howe's mind that he might not be fit enough, he's not going to be a risk. You know what I mean? Isaac's, you know, came and he's done well in his first two games. Um, and obviously we know it'll probably come too soon for Shelby, and it'll definitely come too soon for Kraft. So I think if we can get Bruno back in, get Maxi back in, you know, it's be interesting to see how Bruno and Isaac line up. Well, um,
1: we've got a comment there from JW Muson who says, Do you think Wilson and Isaac can, can play together. So that will be further down the line. Is that something you think can happen? Because I suppose while Wilson's out, do you foresee Eddie how approaching it is and what's best for the team on that day? Or do you think in his mind he'll be he will be thinking to the future and thinking, well, do we do we make little tweaks here and now? So when Wilson's back fit and raring to go, he just slips straight back in.
0: I think they'll definitely be, you know. Planning behind the scenes now, Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall and the coaches will be saying, "You know, we don't have the dilemma now, but when it happens, when Wilson's fit again, we probably do need a plan to get both of these players in because Callum Wilson isn't going to be happy sitting on the bench. Alexander Isaac, for the money that you paid for him, you wouldn't want him sitting on the bench. The only thing is, and it's quite an interesting dilemma because Eddie Howe has stuck to his guns so far since coming in. It's always four four three. It's always just a lone attacker, and." you know, for the best part of the last year, it worked. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see if he changes that, you know, maybe goes 4-4-2 or you know, how he sort of manages the wide players if he does bring the two of them in to play up front alongside each other. Everybody that's watched, Isaac in Spain, says that he can play in a two and that you can play with, you know, another striker. But obviously we haven't seen that for, you know... It would be slightly ironic though,
1: wouldn't it, that you bring in a new striker, £60 million, and then... You change to a formation which you haven't changed to very often, if if at all, at your time at Newcastle as manager. And the ironic thing would be that that formation actually suits your twenty-five million pound striker sitting on the bench, i.e., mean, I, Chris Wood, who would be right at home at a four-four-two. And you would think with a four-four-two, you'd have men down both flanks getting the ball in the box. But it's interesting you mention a potential change there because. Is 442 something that suits Alan St. Maxman? Probably not, because like I say, I think when you say 442, you think wingers ball into the box. Do them does that approach actually suit Isaac and, and Wilson? Because is heading net that necessarily their strong point or is it more running into the channels?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we'll know more in a couple of games once we've seen Isaac. And I mean, obviously we've only seen him for about, you know, 140 minutes so far. Um It'd be interesting to so, say, you know, I didn't think his link of play was very good against Palace. That was just my opinion. But I think we'll know more in a couple of weeks. I think what's um, interesting is that we're having this discussion now and, you know, are they going to fit in together? It's with weeks Callum, away. It's weeks away. And also with Callum Wilson's injury record, you know, how many games are they actually going to be fit together? Because, look, as much as we all love Wilson and we praise him on this podcast all the time, We've said all oh, summer he might get injured, and it's happened, you know, three games of the season. So it's a big if, but as I say, I think I think we'll know more um, in the coming weeks once we've seen Isaac in action a bit more.
1: And John Steele there saying, Is this the game to start Elliot Anderson? For me, he's ready and gives us an attacking threat. Now, our chief sports writer Lee Ryder picked uh, the best starting 11 made up of performances this season and then like, kind of looking ahead, and he, he put Elliot Anderson into. In his start on eleven, which I think uh, you know provoked a little bit of debate, but for me, Elliot Anderson really he shone against Crystal Palace. I thought Newcastle, as I've mentioned previously, suffered when One went off, and it was only Elliot Anderson's kind of want to be on the boat ball, his his directness that offered a threat for Newcastle. I think this probably is the right sort of game for him because if this game against a Bournemouth side who do concede goals, who can turn up and play really well, but also have a really bad day in them, as we saw against Liverpool, as we saw in the first half against Nottingham Forest. If this is not the, the game for Elliot Anderson to start, then you're asking, what is?
0: Yeah, and I think uh, coming off the back of that amazing cameo that you had against Palace, where he was you know, the most dangerous player on the pitch for that 30 minutes he was on... Um, we're all just sort of waiting for that team sheet to finally be dropped. we we'll see his name on it now. This is the thing. If Maxi comes back on Saturday and he's fit and firing, you can't see Anson starting over him or Miggy. It then means does Howe take a bit of a risk and play him in centre-mid, you know, alongside Joel and then Bruno or Longstaff. That's probably, you know, the positive of it is that we saw how good he played out on the wing against Palace when really he's been used in the centre across pre-season and, and in the Previous games he came on in the Prem so good dilemma I have I would absolutely love to see him um from the outset on Saturday I was really really surprised that you know at 2-0 against Forrest when the game was dead how used five subs didn't bring him on um but you know you speak to Eddie Howe after these games and you ask her every you know press conference we're in he gets asked about Hanson can't praise him high enough and um every week says he's getting closer at that stop but we know Eddie Howe, he's not a risk-taker, he's not a gambler. It's a must-win game. For me, I think if Maxi, Willick, and Miggy are all fit, I don't think Anson starts, but I would like to see him start.
1: Thomas Placker there says he thinks Maxi and Bruno will be back for Saturday. Has anyone done enough to keep them out of the, the start at 11? If they're, if they're back, and we have to also say... They may be fit, but match fitness is a totally different thing. But you think they've had a couple of weeks now. They obviously had the extra days after the West Ham game was postponed. Will they will they be kept out of the squad because of anyone's form, or if they are kept out of the squad, kept out of the, the starting eleven? Sorry, it'll be simply down to not having you know an hour in their in the belts to use.
0: I think if they're both fit, the start. I think long staff, hasn't really set the world right in the last couple of weeks. Ryan Fraser looked better against um, Crystal Palace, but again, you know, just sort of lacking that final ball that Maxi's really improved on um, in the last couple of games. So for me, I think nobody's done enough to keep those throughout the team. I think given that if they're fit or firing, um, they walk back in Saturday and, and I hope that they are, you know, back in action because, you know, we've needed them in the last couple of weeks.
1: I mean, there's going to be frustration isn't it on, on on the part of willick more on the part of sean longstaff you know he signs that contract but he knows i would think deep down he's not first choice everyone's fit they were obviously in the market for another centre midfielder, didn't come over the line this time around but then you've been handed this opportunity and obviously you don't want to ever see your teammates get injured you know but when you're handed this opportunity as you often are in football you have to seize it and these opportunities are not going to come very often, I don't think. I don't think Bruno's going to be one of these players who gets injured and injured. And I think it's just, you know, you pick up one every so often, but he's certainly not going to be a Callum Wilson kind of type. Longstaff, as you said there, what, what has he what has he done? He's not really seized that opportunity and that will be a massive frustration for him.
0: I think, look, he, he was good against Liverpool. That assist for Isaac's goal was was obviously fantastic, but... And then, you know, he goes and drops an anonymous performance after that. We saw at the end of last season, you know, those last four or five games where Eddie Howe really had him playing his best football since Benitez was at the club. But there's just that little bright spark and you get excited. It's like Miggy; you get excited about him then, you know, you let down again and the rug sort of pulled. But look, I agree with you, Bruno, I don't think he's going to be one of those players that we're going to see missing too often. The big thing now for Longstaff and Willick is they need to put in the performances to nail down that third spot. And when you've got Elliot Anderson knocking on the door to try and take it off you, you know, they're going to struggle. Now, Willick was, Willick's been better, I think, as the season's gone on. I thought he looked sort of out of sorts against Forrest, even though they won. Um, but Elliot Anderson is, is for me, could easily take one of those two, one of those three midfield spots. And again, we're asking myself, you know, why can't Longstaff sort of nail down that spot? But as I said, you know, with, with the you know with Anderson before, it's a positive dilemma for how it have at, at the stage of the season.
1: Got Graham Morton there saying it's great that we're not talking about the back four, how the mindset has changed, and it is uh, it's settled. Eddie Howe mentioned uh, to the media recently that he feels the defensive work is his his. his, his you know, really improved, and that's something he's really happy with. And it is down, I think, to to having a settled back four, but also the players actually, you know, stepping up. And and Botman looks very assured. Share has has come on leaps and bounds. You know, whatever he was doing on the training ground with him week in week out is is, is, is working really well. And then just Kiwan Trippier, Matt Target on, on on either side. We knew how good Matt Target, uh, we knew how good Kiwan Trippier was, England international you know, Champions League, La Liga. But my target I've been pleasantly surprised by. You know, I think I think a lot of people are rocked by that, that dead leg he had. He missed a few games. He's come back in. And it's not just his defensive work either, though. It's his, his distribution of the ball. He can pick a pass. And I've been really surprised by him and, and hopefully can continue. He's got the momentum behind him and can can really push on.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, since he arrived in January, I don't think he's really put a foot wrong. Um, You know, my only real criticism of him sometimes is that, you know, he's maybe lacking in pace. And I think sometimes he gets caught a bit flat-footed. But I think when, you know, you've got Maxi, you know, who maybe doesn't track back as much as Howard maybe want, you know, targets a safe pair of hands. I think he's done very well. He's came straight back into that team um, after the dead leg. Trip, yeah, as you know, as we all know, we don't need to say he's already sort of on course to become you know one of the best right backs this club's ever had. And I think it's it's such a positive thing when you've got Dan Byrne playing out of his skin every week. What a start the season he's had. And he can't get in the team. You know, as as we said, Botman's came in, he's slotted straight in. Fabian Share I think,'s been really, really good. Again, one of those players that seems to have found that form that we saw maybe, you know, three or four years ago when Benitez was at the club. Um. So, yeah, look, as as Graeme says, it's fantastic that we don't really have to talk about the defence and the defensive issues. And that's also credit to Eddie Howe because, you know, one of the biggest criticisms and maybe one of the biggest reasons fans were a bit unconvinced when he came in was that defensive record at Bournemouth. It was always if Bournemouth won a game, they were just going to outscore their opponents, whereas... He's came in the castle and he's completely studied that
1: shit. There's also a credit to the owners because they've listened to the manager who's gone right. We've got an issue at right back, we've got an issue at centre back, and we've got an issue at left back, and they've gone okay. Here's the pot of money. Tell us what you want. The scouts have gone and found, you know, the players that want. Botman obviously wanted by AC Milan. It's what I think. What it shows the the, the improvement in the defence. Yes, is obviously a lot of work going in on the training ground, and what it shows. It, there's just a unity from top to bottom, from the boardroom right down to the training pitch. There's a unity and everyone's working together. And this is this is kind of the first sign of that, I think, because Newcastle's defence is much better. It does look assured. It looks like, you know, you're not fearing every time an opposition player's running at the defence as you once were in the Steve Bruce or right at the start of Eddie Howe's tenure when it looked slow and it looked laboured. And I just think it just shows you the working relationship and how everyone's pulling in the same direction and the benefits of that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot gets made of the fact that, you know, they've spent, you know, close to 200 million, but they've spent it in the right way. As as we said, the one area of the of the team that really needed work after Bruce left was the defence and, you know, they've, yes, they've spent a lot of money, but they've brought in the right players, burn target, players that aren't flashy, but they're just steady Premier League players. And as you said, it just shows that cohesion from, from top to bottom. So, Club are in a fantastic place. They just need to start getting wins on the board
1: now. And just a final word on Saturday, as I said, we will have our usual preview episode with myself and John Gibson there this week. But I think Newcastle fans and Bournemouth fans will will you know do the the, the royal family proud. I think they'll they'll will be a nice um, unity. I think amongst the fan base, just to you know show that moment of respect. We had the Great North Run, of course, on on Sunday, and that that went ahead. And, you know, at the start, there was, a, there was a couple of speeches, there was a minute's silence, and then there was uh, the national anthem played. And it was done really, really well. The right tone was struck. At the same time, the crowds around the course were just as good as they've ever been. So it wasn't like, you know, everyone was quiet. Yes, there was a period of reflection. But and I think that's what we'll see on Saturday. I think we'll see that respect. But I also think we'll see St. James's Park as loud and as boisterous as, as, as ever.
0: I hope we do. I mean, look, we've got 53,000 people in that stadium on Saturday. I know not every single one of them is going to be a Royalist, but you would at least hope that, you know, nothing sort of spoils that, um, that minute of respect that they're obviously going to do before the game. I think I agree. Once kickoff starts, you know, um, Newcastle fans will definitely make the most of the fact football's back and the fact that they won't be inside that stadium for a good couple of weeks afterwards. So, yeah, look, that we, we can't really fault the atmosphere so far this season. Um, every sort of game at st james's park the atmosphere has been good they've carried the team and i think we'll see that again on saturday
1: on to then newcastle's latest signing louis Carriers, 29 goalkeeper he's been without a club since being released from liverpool on the 9th of june of course many of you guys watching and listening to this will remember louis uh, carrier sorry for that um how, how shall we describe the Champions League performance? Unfortunate Champions League performance in the final of 2018 when he made two absolute. howlers. A lot of fans have commented on that fact, you know, he wasn't good enough for Liverpool, he's not a good goalkeeper. What it's pleasant to see is that quite a few fans have also commented and said, well, one game doesn't define a career. So, Aaron, what do you make of this sign of St. Castle's hands have been forced slightly with the injury to Carl Dahl the fact that Martin Dubrovka's gone out on loan. But I think when you when you look past that one glaring error, two glaring errors in that game, you have a competent goalkeeper here who will come in and do as he's been asked to do and probably just warm the bench for the next uh, six to nine months.
0: Fascinating signing. Really, really intrigues me, you know, as you've said the club's hand were forced last week with Dollar's unfortunate injury, which is probably going to keep them out until probably after the World Cup. They needed to get somebody in. And I was looking actually last week at the free agents around the world in the goalkeeping department and there's very, very few out there that you really could have got in. I think the the only options that really stood out were Carrius and, and Ben
1: Foster. I would have taken Ben Foster. Ben be Foster,
0: there. well, for me, I think if it's a choice between Carrius and Ben Foster, I'd go Carrius Purely because of the age foster yes he's very very experienced but i don't know and is this me being cynical he s- seems to be spending a lot of time on his youtube well that was what i was going to say on, training pitch.
1: on terms of ability i would go with foster but i and i i say this totally expecting uh Luis carriers not to get any minutes at all yeah mm-hmm. um if you know maybe you get it in a cup competition if he's, if he's lucky but i think when it comes down to having a point to prove i think Luis Carrius has, you know, he's going to come back to the Premier League, and if he does get a chance, he's going to want to really show those down on Merseyside that they were wrong to treat him the way that he was treated. Whereas, let like you say Ben Foster, you know, he's, he's done got now. his YouTube yeah. channel, he's, he's done he's, what he needs to you do. You know, good goalkeeper, but I, I do think in terms of a player wanting wanting to prove himself, Karius is the right signing. Um, but as we say, he's, he's not going to get any game time, is he? Well.
0: Touch Touchwood. I mean, as we as we know, we obviously think that he's coming in as a as a backup to Nick Pope, um, with the hope that Nick Pope doesn't sort of suffer an injury, which obviously we hope he doesn't. But look, he's twenty nine years old. At one time, he was good enough to start for Liverpool in the Champions League final four years ago. Now. To make two howlers in a game like that, as Graham Morton says in the comments here, you know, Liverpool say he was concussed from a challenge with Sergio Ramos in that game. That a, That is a huge come down from being a Champions League finalist to, uh, from what I can read, not playing competitively for Liverpool again. It, that must take some mental strength to come back from that.
1: Well, you see, he hasn't played competitively. If our research is right, since the 28th of February, 2021, Yeah. That is a long time. I mean, yeah. I you you, you watch the, the the medical video that he's had at Newcastle, and he looks fit. He looks strong, but I, I would love to know what he's been doing, like in between the time. Obviously, he's been at places, hasn't he? He will have had training sessions, but it's a big, big difference from you know having a ball kicked at you on the training ground to competitive football, and you, you you risk losing that edge.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, when he first left Liverpool after the Champions League, he went to um, Besiktas, you know, had two loan spells there, seemed to do all right, went to Union Berlin back in his native Germany, didn't go so well and eventually he's just sort of been left to sort of fester with the reserves at Liverpool um, under Klopp. So yeah, look, there's no doubt that the edge probably won't be there. You've got to hope that Howe's going to get him up to speed quickly. From what Carius has said in, in interviews over the summer, he's been you know, really making a point of not having holidays. He's been trying to keep himself as fit as he can and you know, just waiting for that phone to ring. Um, He's going to have a huge point to prove. Yes, he might not play again, but, you know, he's going to have to be ready in case he's called upon. And I, and I think if any man can put the arm around a shoulder and get a player back to his best, it's Eddie Howe. So I think we... I'm hoping that we're seeing this as a fairy tale story. Carrius rises from... You know the depths or whatever happened to him, and it actually gets his career back on track, whether that's at Newcastle or whether that's at a different club.
1: He might get a shout in the um, the League Cup. You know, you can see him having a few opportunities in in, in the cups. Um, some quotes from him. Then he describes the move to Newcastle as a great project. He says they've got a great coach and they're building something exciting. Uh, he had five to ten minutes to make his mind up when he got the call, when he hopped on the flight um and then he also says that he's there to support the other boys and, and i think what actually struck me the most was was the he was asked about what he would like to achieve on a, by the by the interview on, on on the club website and he said first and foremost he's here to kind of push nick pool uh he wants to be competitive but he's also here to support the other boys and then you, i just this is me reading between the lines, but you, you get the feeling that he's been sold the bench. You know, you're going to come in and you're going to be back up with Nick Pope, but unless something goes drastically wrong with Nick Pope, your likelihood of getting minutes is going to be very, very limited. And just the way he was talking, his answers, you get the feeling that he understands that he knows that he's happy, obviously, he's signed, he's taking on board, and, and that's what he's going to be here to do. And he's going to try his best to. To help around the, the dressing room to push the to push Nick Pope, but he's 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 well aware that he's not gonna get any game time.
0: I think I mean you would hope he's well aware. I mean he's free agent, hasn't played since 2021. He was signed two days after the transfer window closed. Hopefully, you know, he knows that he's not gonna be number one, but um experienced character, seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um clearly there was some talent in there at some point that Liverpool, you know, saw it's just about hopefully finding that. And look, as we say, he might not play, but I think he's a, he's a good body. He's a body that they need in after, after Dolo's injury. And obviously Dubravka's ex- exit, obviously we, he probably isn't Dubravka standard anymore, but, um, I think it's a good addition. I think if it was him, Ben Foster, I'm glad it's him. And as I say, we have just got to hope that can get the best out of him, but he seems to be in a good headspace. Those quotes are really positive. Um, you know, I was watching the video of him being sort of unveiled yesterday. He looks like he's, You know, pleased with the move. Um, Will he be called upon? We don't know. But Uh,
1: one of the things I think is important as well is that various reports towards the end of the transfer window about how there was potential options for Eddie Howe to to bring in new players, but you know the the claims are that he actually rejected these options because they weren't the, the right mindset, they weren't the right kind of character. And I know that the options here for a backup goalkeeper who's a free agent are limited. We've mentioned that you're Mm -hmm. looking at maybe a handful, but you also get the feeling that if Luis Carrias did not fit, did not tick every single box on Eddie Howe's list of when it comes to being a good character, good influencer on the dressing room can maybe offer some words of advice to, to the young goalkeeper's coming through, can show a bit of leadership, can show a bit of maturity knowing he's not going to get game time. If them boxes weren't ticked, he would not be a Newcastle United player. So I think again, it's just another sign of, of the standards Eddie Howe fits uh, set, sorry. And you've just got to trust the manager. You know, this player is here, yes, because Newcastle's hand's been forced, but also because he fits exactly what Eddie Howe is trying to build at Newcastle. And that largely comes off the back of the players having the right attitude and, and buying into the project.
0: I mean, I don't think there would be much you know, time for Curious to even have it, you know, think about it in his mind. They was so close to that 25 man deadline. But Eddie Howe all summer, just as you've said, made such a clear point of having, you know, characters in the dressing room and making sure they were signing the right players rather than, you know, just getting players in for the sake of it. So we've seen it with Lingard and other players that they turned down. So far, Howe's been proven right. So you just got to hope. Uh, this is another one that sort of works in his favour.
1: I'm going to read Derek's comment out. We can't show it on, on screen. Um, there's a few uh, asterisks in there, shall we say. But I will read the comment out. Uh, he says, why shall, Why should Karius uh, get a shout in the League Cup? So I've just said that I think you'll get a look in, 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 in the League Cup. Derek asks, why? Uh, we should play our strongest team. It's the one competition we've currently got a realistic chance of winning. It angers me when we treat that route to you with such disdain. Who do we think we are? Look, I I agree. You want to play your your strongest possible team, but you have to also consider the the fixtures around, you know, what's going to come around the the cup fixtures. Injuries, suspensions also play a part. And, you know, it's all good saying that you're playing a cup in every game, but... You know, if he gets injured in that League Cup, then it's then it's the then it's the wrong decision. Like, Caris is a good enough goalkeeper to do a job in the cup competitions. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you end up making eleven changes, then yeah, you can, you can you can then question whether that is your strongest team. But at the same time as well, I'm a big big believer that if you're a part of a twenty-five man squad or whatever the, the, the number is these days then if you get called upon, you should be good enough. And I I, I don't necessarily like it when managers get criticized for making a lot of changes because at the end of the day these are professional footballers and they should be able to to come into a team and, and, and at least give a hundred percent and and their talent, you know, shine through.
0: Yeah, I think hopefully, you know, if you can get his fitness up to speed, I think,
1: you know, Eddie Howell
0: won't have brought him in just to you know, make up the numbers. He'll have clearly brought them in, knowing that if he needs to be called upon, he can. Um, we saw Darlow start in the in the game against Tramia. Um, you know, they've obviously got Palace in the next round. Nick Pope looking like potentially could go to the World Cup. They've got that West Ham fixture at a rear range. FA Cup starts in January. Big, big fixture list. So, look, I, I get some fans might want to, you know, play the best team all the time. And I don't think Eddie Howe is... is you know, sort of disrespecting the League Cup or that chance of getting Europe by playing well, that's that team Carl in the last round uh, against it was a strong it. Yeah. strong team, but Carl dollar was in net and Nick Pope and DeBravko weren't used. I think it's absolutely fine. And look, I, I, I won't be telling Eddie how, you know, who want who to pick and who not to pick, um, given how well he's done it so far. So look, yeah, I think it, as long as Carriers hasn't, you know, he isn't feeling the effects of not playing a competitive game in eighteen months. And I don't see any reason why he won't be used at, at some point just obviously not we in make out
1: just going back to the quote from Carrius on it being a, a great project what project do you think he's been sold because with it would have been a short-term deal I, I can't imagine and we haven't heard anything that you know he's been even suggested or hinted that if he plays well it, it could end up into a you know a, a year's deal a two-year deal the short-term deal we believe to the end of the season what project has he been sold in that in that case?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that the deal is is short term in in the sense that it's the start of twenty twenty three, potentially being extended to the summer if 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 Darlo's injury doesn't heal as they'd like the two. Obviously, DeBravka can not be recalled in January as well. Whether he'll want to or not, that's that's another question. Look, I think you'll you'll be, you know, sold the exact same thing that other players who are, you know arrived have been sold and that is this is a club going places um, you know this is a club that really wants to win every single game and they've got aspirations of upsetting the the Premier League big boys in the short term um, Loris Karius I think personally will know while he, he probably won't be you know willing the downfall of um, of Nick Poe Karius knows that this is a big chance for him to get his career back on track on the off chance that he actually is thrust into the spotlight again um, you know, if Pope misses out, so I think there's um he wouldn't have taken much persuading. I think you know the chance for him to come back to a Premier League team was probably one that he you know jumped at, given why he's been playing on loan and uh, how his Liverpool career ended. But um Newcastle have got this pull now, where yes, you know there wasn't a lot of suitors for Carrius, but they can go out and get players that you know other teams are wanting and um who maybe you know wouldn't have been too sure in Newcastle about two years ago.
1: Now, Graham Morton there says he reckons Carrius will earn an extension because Darlow frightens the life out of him. Um, I don't think Darlow's that bad. One thing I was going to ask, it concerns the other goalkeeper. What does this say about Mark Gillespie? And I, you know, no offence to Mark Gillespie. I mean, you know, he's a professional footballer. He, he has... Pulled on, on on the on the shirt for Newcastle. He's living the dream as well of, of most Newcastle United fans. But I can't help but think about him and what, what he's thinking in this instance. I I guess in many ways it shows you the the brutal nature of this is this is Newcastle United now. You know, there's no room for sentiment. You know, if if if, if unfortunately you're not at a certain level, then the club aren't going to sit back and say, "Well, we'll we'll roll the dice, we'll gamble." Nick Pope's going to be all right until. To call Darlow's better until they get a january and we can sign another goalkeeper that's not what they've done the old newcastle probably would have done that and we've seen actually plenty of examples of that in the, the transfer market recently and uh, the, the kind of contrast but on this particular point they've gone out they've reacted quickly as well um and is that what you you gain from from this sign it just shows you the brutal reality of of, of, of what the players have got to you know aim towards and, and levels really
0: yeah, I think, you know, if you feel for Mark Gillespie, you know, he does sort of feel like he is making up the numbers at the club. I'm sure he's a very good dressing room presence. Otherwise, you know, Eddie Howe wouldn't have him around the squad. Um, You know, he's clearly playing that role of of support with the other keepers, but if you're him, and look, it comes down to personal preference, if Darlow has, has obviously picked up an injury and, you know, the club, the club obviously needed to get a third keeper in, but you know, it's just, it looks bleak for him in terms of his future at the club. And now I suppose it's the personal preference of does he love the dream and sit on the bench, but he's playing for his boyhood club or he's, you no, know, he's not playing, but he's representing them. Or does he, you know, maybe drop down the leagues and try and get another, you know, another club where he's going to be playing more often? Clearly at the minute, I mean, it could change in the, in the windows to come, but at the minute he's clearly happy to sit on the bench and, and just be in and around the squad. And look, you can't really blame him at the minute. So... It's a shame, but like you say, it's a brutal nature of goalkeeping.
1: Hmm. I'm just refreshing that Newcastle reacted so quickly to to deal with this. Now, obviously, Martin Dubrovka has gone to Manchester United. We don't want to dwell on it too much. We have spoken about it on previous episodes, but a lot of fans pointing out the fact that he, he didn't start the European game uh, last week, wasn't it? And he went there and it was believed largely that he would be getting game time in the cup games. I mean, there's nothing Newcastle could have done to keep him, really. I don't think he wanted to leave. They've, they've, they've kind of said, OK, you've been a very good servant to, to the club. We're going to stand your wishes. We'll not stand in your way. Um, do you think? I mean, I mean, it's only, been, it's only been a week or so, hasn't it? So it's a little bit, uh, well, it's been two weeks nearly. It's a little bit um, early to say it was the wrong decision by him. But what do you think going through his mind?
0: Yeah, look. I mean, I expect him to play last week. You don't know whether Ten Hag's maybe just um, wanting to ease him in with the money you've signed a couple of days prior. He will know just as Carrius knows at Newcastle. You know he's probably not going to dislodge my uh, David De here, but he'll be expecting to play games in, in in the near future. And look, I think it was the right decision to get rid of him. Eddie Howe, you know, is done such a good job of getting the morale as high as it is in the dressing room. You won't want anyone disgruntled in that dressing room and as soon as Dubravka made the point that he wanted to leave, I think it was a no-brainer that he was going to go. Eddie Howe said after the sign Nick Pope that he, you know his wish was to keep four senior goalkeepers but he wouldn't stand in the way of anyone um, if they wanted to leave. That happened. Look, fans will disagree as to whether it was the right call for Dubravka to leave for Man United where he's going to sit on the bench but me, personally, I've got no ill will towards him. I think what he's done for the club over the last couple of years, he's been a fantastic servant. If he wanted to go and have one last sort of crack at a, at a big dressing room in European football, fair play. But I think it was the right decision to let him go. Obviously, a brutal timing for Darlow to get injured, you know, a week after he's left. But, you know, that's football. And I think the club deserve credit for getting Karius in as quick as they did when they really, really needed it.
1: Mm-hmm. Good luck to Martin Dubravka. We'll just finish on some really, really good news. And you may have seen on our very own website over on on social media as well, that there are four Northeast charities which are set to benefit from a huge donation donation from uh, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Now, you may remember uh, back in April 2021, the NUST launched the 1892 Pledge Now this is where fans signed up to pledge a monthly donation to a pot and the end goal was to eventually buy a stake in Newcastle United. Now this was of course under Mike Ashley's tenure. The takeover happened and as the the trust have said that removed the need to raise money to safeguard the future of Newcastle United because it's been taken over by owners with a plan with an ambition and with cash behind them to turn Newcastle hopefully into a force in the Premier League now the aim was always if the dream of buying a percentage in the club didn't come true the dream the, the, the reality of that was the um the, the second option was always going to be the money donated to charity the pledge finished in 2022 uh, January of this year sorry. And since then, the trust and the guardians, which include Warren Barton, have been working hard to establish where this money will go. It's £200,000. That is an astronomical amount. And after many, many months, uh, presentations and interviews and proposals, the foundation have settled on four charities. And they are the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation, the Alan Shearer Foundation West End Food Bank and the Newcastle United Foundation uh, projects have been put in and the uh, the various charities have had, uh, will be given various amounts of money from this £200,000 if the members of the NUS, NUST voted through, Aaron. Um, I mean, just an amazing amount of money for brilliant charities and there's loads of good charities across our region that would be very deserving of this money, but I think what the Trust wanted to do here was to to pick charities that have a bit of a link to the club that we can see pretty much day in, day out benefiting people who are connected to the club, the, the local area uh, for, I think, really good charities that have been picked there. And fingers crossed it gets, uh, gets what it do by the members. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think, you know, the fact Newcastle
0: fans have dipped in their pockets and raised that amount of money anyway was absolutely fantastic obviously we know that you know that money wasn't needed for its intended purpose given the you know the takeover went through but um i don't think you can think of a better way for the money and i'll be you know I'll be split four fantastic charities all each in, you know really really deserving of the money and it'll do absolute wonders so um yeah any members you know vote it through vote yes and and definitely fantastic i mean um it just goes to show, you know, as the trust have said it in their message today, that obviously we've, we've put on the website. um Four charities that are really, really close to the club and they've got that special link. Um, There was obviously hundreds that they could have chosen. But I think the four that they've made, you know, each for their own reason have been um, fantastic picks. So, yeah, really, really, really positive for the club.
1: And it shows you the power of the fan base coming together as well i mean raising 200,000 pounds is, is no mean feat that's a huge amount of money and it just shows you the power of this of this fan base
0: definitely i mean you know when the fans put their heads together and and come up with these incentives you know they they very rarely don't work you know they're um you know they're always supportive and and it was a fantastic idea from the trust i think look you know people have scoffed at it and you know trying to buy the club and raising that money but um, you know I just remind you how bleak it was at one point that fans felt the need to do that. um it does, doesn't remember, it? I mean where we're sitting we're so lucky. I mean, given that you know two less than two years ago that was you know the plan put in place. um but yeah, fantastic. I mean, 200 grand f- from from the members is is absolutely incredible. So really, really pleased to see it where it's going. um, I think it's a really, really good decision.
1: Mm. And just on the Saborg Robson Foundation. Uh, I ran uh, the Great North Run for the Foundation, part of uh, Sir Bobby's team, which included uh, several of the country's best football journalists. And then somehow I was invited along to join the team (laughs) as well. Um, That's why I'm sitting a bit awkward. If you're watching live, you can see I'm not exactly sitting upright because I'm aching. However, um, there was a competition going over on the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation website, which offers a superb prize Um, you can win a great North Run VIP spectator experience, which includes a helicopter ride from uh, over the course. That's for next year, 2023, breakfast at the Hilton. So I'll pop that link into the comments, and um, it's well worth uh, entering because it raises money for the foundation. Your full £5 will go to the foundation, and you get the chance to see the great North Run from the hour, which is not something everyone um has seen them. well very few people have probably seen it uh, and i don't think many people have entered this competition so do get involved It's a brilliant prize second prize is a chance to win the shirt you may have seen them on social media that we wore during the great north run thankfully not the match worn ones no one wants that but i'll pop the link into the comments and uh, if you've got a spare fiver do take part um this has been everything is black and white podcast we're glad to be back glad to have something to talk about glad to see the football back on saturday as aaron mentioned earlier on the show if you are going to the game whatever your, your views on the royal family and we don't want to preach but i think it's important just to say leave them kind of at the dorm let's let's you know show a bit of respect let's show that this club and the fan base can can um can, can do things right And i'm sure Everyone will do. I'm sure you don't need to be told, but I just thought I'd mention it there. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. And do remember to like and subscribe to the podcast.